This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hey, yo, this is Dave from thenewyorkbudget.com. Texarkana, where you at? Joe plays board games all the time. OG still works the daily grind. Roundtable views don't always align, but help financial peace of mind. Suzanne's HR skills for the win. Doug is in Mom's cookie tin. PK's attacking Jim again. All on stacking Benjamins. Stack, stack, stack. Stacking Benjamins. Stack, 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 stack. Stacking Benjamins. Kicking it all the way from the 212 to the 903-430. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's Monday in the basement. You know what that means. After our usual dance contest and food fight, it's time to help mom dust the canned goods shelves. But first, let's make a podcast that features your letters. Sound good? Hey, that's not all. We'll detail how much money people make from Uber, Airbnb, and other popular side hustles, share some news about Alexa becoming your next financial advisor, and more. And here they are, two guys who are just about as good at this as that robot in your home speaker would be, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey, welcome back to another Monday, everybody. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across this card table from me, just so you know which voice is which, it's my partner on this here podcast, the one and only OG, back for another week, man. One of these days, we're going to get a nicer card table. Well. Maybe we can upgrade to Ikea. <laughs> that'd be great. 
one of those ones you put together by yourself and you got that little uh that little guy the little smiley guy who's helping you put it together I've never put anything together from Ikea. Oh, well, there you, you get go. a smiley person to come help. Yeah, no, you get uh, pictures of a smiley person doing all the stuff you're supposed to do. <laughs> Absolutely. He's, I can't imagine he'd be smiling. I got something that makes everybody smile, OG, because traditionally you've got choices when it comes to online investing tools, traditional self-directed brokerages, which allow a lot of customization, but they also hit you with commissions every trade. And on top of that, they can be clunky and unintuitive. For more passive investors, on the other hand, there's this rising trend of automated brokerages, and they allow you to easily invest in a portfolio they manage for you. But then you hand over the controls. You find yourself trusting some black box of software and can't really personalize a portfolio with those. So both of those are compromises. Either you give up simplicity for control or you sacrifice control for something easy to manage. And why compromise with your money? Guess what? With M1 Finance, it's M, the number one finance, you don't have to. They offer a balanced solution like nothing you've ever seen before. Set up a personalized portfolio perfectly tailored to your needs and your own investing goals. And then that portfolio is automatically managed by their advanced technology. You can use one of their pre-done portfolios. You can make your own. It's your choice. Guess what? The first thousand's free. And traditionally, it's only 0.25% for accounts up to $100,000. But guess what? I just talked to Brian Barnes over there at M1 Finance. And guess what he said, OG? Uh, he is going to offer discount. But much better than that. Get this. If you use the code stacking Benjamins, just all scrunched together, stacky Benjamins, when you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 finance, the first year's free. The whole oh. first Ooh. year okay. is free. That is a heck of a discount. I know. That's a reason to try it out. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M1 finance or find it on the Apple or Android app store. M1 finance be invested. And here's another DLOG. If you've ever been frustrated that the tool you're using to manage your money wasn't flexible enough, then you haven't met Tiller Money. Tiller's the only personal finance tool giving you complete control over how you manage your money because they automatically pull your latest spending and earnings transactions and account balances into a Google Sheet for you every day. Choose from a variety of powerful and easy-to-use pre-built templates like the Stacking Benjamins template or... Harness Tiller's power to build your own Google Sheet money management dashboard. With Bankrate Security, Tiller supports over 10,000 institutions so you can track your spending, measure progress on your budget, monitor your net worth, or build new reports for your own unique finance tracking needs without the fuss of logging into multiple sites or manual exporting. I don't know how much data I get. Reminds me, we, we were talking about Brian Regan last week. They right. they he talks about peanut butter and jelly, you know, and the guy that thought about putting them in the same jar. I can't be opening how many jars. <laughs> I got to have that all together. Imagine with Tiller, you don't have to go to, I don't know how many sites to get all my financial data. Just one. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Tiller. That's StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Tiller to manage your money better. Great way to handle the budget, OG. We're going to handle your letters today. You are large and in charge on today's show, but first we have some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Business Insider, and this is something I've always wanted to know. Don't you love these pieces that are always about how much money people really make? Like get the inside scoop. People don't want to tell yeah, I do this stuff and I'm not going to tell you what I make, but I'm really rich. Well, it depends on which side of the equation we're talking about here. Like, is this the, I think that they make a couple hundred thousand and they really make like 18 million or is it more like they act like they make 
couple hundred thousand and they really make 22 grand. I don't think this is either one of those because it's how much money people are really earning from Uber, Airbnb. Oh, that kind of stuff. And okay. Several, several other okay. side hustles. Says if you've been itching Not to make. If you've been itching to make some extra cash outside of your regular nine to five, then you may have already considered signing up with one of these companies. They've made it easier than ever before to make a quick buck on your own time. And I do like that. I like the fact that if you're somebody that has money trouble right now, I mean, you've got countless, countless options. I remember several interviews we've had with guests. I mean, how many interviews have we had with guests saying, yeah, just you know, sign up for Uber for a few weeks. You got some debt. You got something that you need to take care of. Have an extra expense coming up that you don't know about. Sign up for the side hustle. I got a buddy of mine who um, he's all about maximizing every minute of his life to make money. He bought a new car and then realized that he could buy a different car, get like a hybrid and almost have it paid for by the fact that he could drive for Uber while he was driving to and from work because he had a long commute. So he just figures Leaves. somebody's going to be going generally in the same direction I have to go in the morning and someone will be generally coming back in the same direction. I think that he embellishes a little bit on how much money he makes, as you're probably going to talk about here in the story. But this guy is the guy that does like officiates peewee football, right? He does all sorts of stuff and uh, uh, always is busy, always making money. So it's cool. Well, let's talk about these. We've got nine different services here. We've got Postmates, DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, TaskRabbit, Etsy, Fiverr, and GetAround. Which one do you think makes the most money? Etsy. Etsy is seventh. Oh, so no. <laughs> yeah. Average person makes uh, $151. The median person, which probably is more important, right, makes $40. There you go. 40 bucks. Hey, 40 bucks right? a month, but still that's 40 bucks a month on Etsy on crafting. Right. I mean, not everybody's doing craft on Etsy, but you know what I mean? I'm doing, doing everybody's it. doing crap on Etsy. What are you talking so, about? So, I said crafts, craft. Everything's crappy on Etsy. Not, not, not crapping. Oh yeah, that's great. Hey, Etsy, uh, <laughs> send your complaint mail to OG at stackofbenjamins.com. I didn't say I'm just that. Just kidding. We bought my baby's flower dress. At Etsy in her shoes. It was beautiful. I was gonna, last year for the holidays, I bought a ton of stuff off Etsy because it's unique, right? You can get unique stuff. Anyway, this isn't an Etsy commercial. Not <laughs> number one. But but if you want it to be an Etsy commercial, we can send all media requests to Joe at Stacky Pitch. Yes, we can make that happen. We can make it happen. We do have a way to make that work. Uh, number <laughs> one on this list, Airbnb. $924 is the average. Now, a lot of people making good money on Airbnb, but it's but I think there's a small percentage at the top because listen, the median, the median's $440. So there's a ton of people at the bottom making very little money. But once again, if you've got a house like mine where you just have a couple spare bedrooms and every once in a while somebody's driving down I-30, wants to stay at your house in Texarkana, you know, hey, it's a couple hundred bucks. Why not? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do right with the location of your home as well as how often you plan on using it, exactly. right? I mean, if it's like a vacation house and it's a gazillion miles away, you can rent it out and it's in a great spot. You probably rent it out every week. Well, that's what I think. Some people buy houses now specifically to Airbnb them, right? Uh -huh. okay. uh, second is task. That doesn't seem like that'll ever blow up. Second, second is task. There's a plan. <laughs> second is task rabbit, where your concierge service doing things for people. You're somebody's Th Third is Lyft. $377. I'm trying to let that go and I'm finding it impossible. 
$377 with Lyft. Uber is fourth with $364. So Lyft drivers so make more close, than Uber yeah. drivers. Uh, by the way, those are the averages. Probably because of tipping. The medians, I, I think you're probably right. The median, $210 versus $155. DoorDash, not even sure what that is. We don't <laughs> We don't have DoorDash and Texas. DoorDash is uh, you order up like uh, takeout from oh, places that don't deliver and they go and get it for you. $229. Not that I know what that is. No idea. I just read about it. Postmates is next. Is that where is. is that where your pen similar. pals with somebody? Nope. No. It's similar to DoorDash. Yeah. Uh, Etsy and then Fiverr. Fiverr's $103 and Get Around is the lowest, uh, 98 bucks. Now, why don't you do all of it? And then you'd make like $10,000. Yeah, look at this. You just do all nine. You're good. <laughs> Why so you have nine part-time jobs, which is like the equivalent of like four full-time jobs. You don't even need a real job. You'll just have nine jobs and schizophrenia. <laughs> <Big Squirrel. deal. laughs> Joe, why are you so jumpy today? Yeah. Get out of my back seat. I'm trying to deliver a meal to somebody. And our, our second headline comes to us from Financial Planning, the industry rag for financial planners, where they hang out, financialdeskplanning.com. How about this, OG? This is written by Suleiman Din. How Amazon's Alexa will upend wealth management. Alexa, manage my practice, it says. Advis <laughs> advisors wondering how Amazon will enter wealth management should look to its cloud computing arm, Amazon Web Services, which is pitching the natural language processing machine learning brain behind its voice interactive service to warehouses, broker dealers, and robo-advisors. Already, UBS has partnered with Amazon to enable clients and non-clients of the bank to get answers to financial and economic questions through Alexa. Alexa is going to replace you, OG. We'll see about that. Them's fighting words, Alexa. Everybody that has an echo in their in their house is so peeved at us because we've said that word like three times already. And the thing is so smart, it can manage your money, but it can't realize that we're not talking directly to it. <laughs> Well, there was a there was a thing uh, I don't know I saw it on YouTube or something like that where the guy had an Amazon Echo and a Google Play or something like that, and basically he said something like, "Alexa, play Google," and then the Google thing would talk and made its name Alexa or something anyway. So basically, he had just the two of them talking back and forth to one another. It was a war between <laughs> these. It said planners might be forgiven for wondering what use a glowing little electronic cake could be to their practice. In fact, there are a variety of ways that the technology underpinning Alexa will likely spread throughout wealth management, industry experts say, as it automates client interaction and even advice requests. Quote, many... Alexa, deal with this crappy client for me. <laughs> many... It'd be so bad. Many... Amazon, answer the phone and hang up on this wholesaler for me. <laughs> I got this mutual fund rep calling, hang up on them, Alexa, yes. please. Many important platform shifts start out like a toy and then become the primary way the younger generation communicates, says Lex Sokolin, director of fintech strategy at Autonomous Research. Look at mobile apps, social networks, and now conversational interfaces and virtual reality. It's those companies that innovate at the edges that can capture new customers. I do think that uh, some of these uh, chatbots coming out now can do interesting things for a practice, OG, because if somebody just needs like some basic stuff right now that you have a, you have a receptionist take care of, you can have a chatbot that can do that very, very well. I'm just going to put one of those robot things in like an iPad, like as a face and drive it around so I can just lay in bed and have my robot face thing do everything for me. You're like yell at my kids. 
Alexa, yell at my kids to do the dishes for the 14th time. You're not even taking this seriously for a second, are you? Absolutely not. So how come? Oh, no, no. I mean, I guess that's not true. As you were talking about it, I can kind of see how having instant accessible information as we're working with clients be helpful, right? Like if you can have it somehow linked to a portfolio report or somehow is hooked up into your computer and then you can pull up like planning, you know, how does this affect a client's plan? And it can do the calculation really quickly for you. That would be helpful. But um, read the news, play the music, you know, mess with my kids. That's how I'm going to use it mainly. It says in here, it says, uh, could Alexa answer? I have a 401k. I want to roll it over to an IRA. Which one's best? And they go into this long, complicated thing saying that right now, no, but if you take the financial plan of somebody and you take their profile and you couple it with the data that they have that in the future, it potentially could answer that. But the funny <laughs> thing is, here's the thing. Here's who wants this. This is the interesting thing for me. Capital One did a study on this that you and I talked about maybe a year ago where they decided to rearrange their customer service based on the study because people with money wanted to talk to an actual human being and people that had no money didn't want to talk to a human being. And so the more, the, the more people had assets, the more they wanted to be coupled with people and the more people didn't have. And I think, you know, and maybe it's different for credit cards because maybe you're ashamed of your credit card debt. You know, you got a low credit score, but then if somebody had a low credit score, they had no money, they had nothing. They just, just please give me the machine. Let, let the machine take care of it. I think that's the same for wealth management. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly, certainly advisors have different specialties in their business. And I think clients sometimes assume that maybe they have like a unique situation, but generally there's, it's a lot of repeating the same stuff, especially when it's kind of at the front end of your financial plan, right? Like when you're getting started, a lot of it. Yes. I mean, that's kind of why Dave Ramsey stuff resonates so well because it's, you know, get some emergency money, pay off your debt, save cash. And then it can then, you know, and then you can start getting kind of into the into the cool stuff. But um, uh, anyway, so, yeah, technology is not going to replace advisors, but technology is going to totally improve the relationship and the experience that clients have with their advisory team, I think. I totally agree. And I also think it's going to help bad advisors find something else to do. I think our two lessons there are number one. Technology is on the way, and advisors and people should use it to uh, to help the cause. Man, it's coming, and it'll be interesting to see how that until looks. Skynet takes over everything. How that looks in the future, then Ooh. we're screwed. Yes. And uh, number two, our second takeaway from the headlines today: quit your job and just do these nine. Buy a whole bunch of houses to rent out on Airbnb. Do these nine side gigs, and man, drive around other people delivering food. I wonder if you could double up. Like, could you drive a DoorDash person in your Uber who's also crocheting a blanket for Etsy? (laughs) Winner. Today's a big day because you are in the driver's seat, which means we are taking your letters today and I'm pulling up the mailbag. And man, do we have some great ones. The first letter out of the mailbag comes to us from Marissa. Says, hey, Joe and OG, thanks for the always entertaining and occasionally informative show. 
I was wondering if you ever advise putting after-tax money into a 401k plan. My 42-year-old husband currently contributes $18,000 per year into his 401k, plus an additional 6% contributed by his employer. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so don't have a 401k plan I can contribute to. We max out two Roth IRAs per year and are wondering where to put additional savings. Thanks for your help. After-tax money in the 401k plan, OG, good idea? Well, you know, uh, could be. I guess the answer to this question, Marissa, is going to be, what's the purpose of it, right? If it's for college or something short-term, we don't want to do 401k, but let's just assume that you mean it's for retirement or long-term savings. After-tax money in a 401k has been affectionately called the super Roth, because a lot of times companies have almost a equal amount of after-tax money that they'll allow you to put in as pre-tax. And so if you've got a whole bunch of extra money, you can put it in after-tax. Now that means you don't get a tax deduction for it. And it means that you'll be taxed on any gains. However, what people have done occasionally is they'll put their after-tax contributions in and then roll those over to their Roth IRAs. Got it. And, And so you're doing a Roth IRA contribution, a 401k contribution, and then all the extra money goes into the after-tax up to the whatever the limit is for your company. And then they pull that out and put it into their Roth. Do you have to, does your company have to allow what's called in-service withdrawals to do that? Yes, but generally, um, most of the time they allow those for those after-tax contributions. Got it. So you want to check that first, Marissa. Mm -hmm. You know, if not, there's actually two opportunities that I like. I mean, for flexibility, just start building a non-qualified brokerage account. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so M1 Finance, the new deal today, free for a year. You put the money in, it goes into the pie of investments, do something like that. Now you're going to pay tax on those investments. But the one cool thing that, and the reason why I like M1 as our sponsor is because they've got the whole tax minimization program that they do with their rebalancing. So, you know, you're going to pay some tax versus the other. I think if you want it short term, that's a better idea than putting it in after tax. I think you start. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to get into a mess. And then if you build up some money, you know, use something like Roofstock, right? But buy buy a couple houses, uh, build up a fund and and buy some rental properties. A lot of different places, depending on the time you need the money, according to your financial plan. And that really is the key question. When do you need the money? Amen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next question comes to us from Nicole. Nicole says, I'm interested in buying shares of stock on my own. I have zero experience doing this on my own, but I was told about Robinhood that allows you to purchase shares with no fees. Sounds too good to be true, is it? What are your top choices for someone who wants to purchase stocks with low fees and I don't have to have thousands of dollars as a minimum balance? Well, we just said it. The, the reason why the reason why we talk about M1 Finance and because we asked them to sponsor the show is because for low cost, that's where I like. Robinhood is not too good to be true though OG it's just bare bones you know you're getting a bare bones platform and you get what you pay for but if you're just looking to buy one share of stock or two shares of stock or Robinhood is as good as any place else yeah if you uh, a one-off thing I like stockpile we've used that for the kids M1's a, a great option as well I, I kind of take exception to the first line in this, right? The, uh, hey, I've never never bought any stocks. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, which one should I buy? So let's do it. Um, I think you might want to not do that part and think really? more diversification and uh, like ETFs or mutual funds and uh, and start out that way. 
in terms of investing as opposed to well uh, but what if what if nicole has experience though buying et i see what you're saying but what if this, what if yeah. what if nicole has experience buying etfs and mutual funds already and just wants to buy an individual share for the first time i don't know why you'd want to do that in the context of overall you know investment planning diversification but if you're if you're hell bent on buying one share of something any one of those places works, right? M one's probably as good as any, especially since it's free for a year. Well, the thing and, uh, the thing that M one can do that Robinhood can't do is that with with M one you can buy fractional shares, right? So yeah. you, you set up a pie and you can kind of do what you're talking about. Nicole could buy four different stocks, fractional shares in each of those, percentage based, and then you know get the money deployed and have four instead of one and get some of that diversification you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question. Next question comes to us from Chris. Chris says, I'll be eligible for a pension when I turn 65 in a few months. Congratulations, Chris. Hey, Chris. All right, cool. With a monthly payment of $2,628. If I delay, the payments are 2903 at 66 so about $275 more. Mm-hmm. They wait till 66 per month, and then 3578 at age 68 and 4470 at age 70. My faithful spreadsheet tells me that by delaying, the equivalent rate of return is a little over 8%, and the break-even is around 13 years. Assuming a life expectancy of 20 years, and if I'm not in need of immediate cash flow, would the optimal decision be to delay till 70 with a guaranteed return of 8%? How about that? There's a tech question for you. Well, again, this is going to boil down to a lot of other questions unanswered uh, from a planning standpoint. You say you don't need the cash, so that obviously means that you can stand to delay it and take it from another place. But I'd also look at the survivor benefits. You know, if you don't uh, collect on this and something happens to you between 65 and 70, is there a spousal option? Is there some beneficiary designation that you can have that will be able to extend the benefit? That's obviously a risk. And or can you ensure the difference? You know, if you're if you're concerned about that. Life expectancy is, you know, a guessing game, but you can kind of get a sense of it depending on family and and your general health conditions and that sort of thing. If you're healthy and mom and dad and grandma and grandpa lived a long time, you know, the the stronger it is to pick the longer or the uh, the higher dollar amount, the other would be true the opposite way. But I would be really interested in learning about what the benefits are from a survivor standpoint and what happens if. Right. You know, if you collect on this from 65 to 72 and you get hit by a bus, that's one thing. If you start at 70 and get hit by a bus at 72, then what happens? And and factor that into your decision making as well. Good stuff. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the mailbag, we're going to handle more today. But uh, head to stackybenjamins.com and you'll see question for the show right on the top of the page. All right, OG, let's go uh, refresh grab another cold beverage, and, and let's uh, hand this thing over to Doug. Hey, buddy fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm back from dusting off Joe's mom's canned peaches, if you know what I mean, to share some trivia. I was just thinking, hey, if I had 50 dineros to invest, what would I buy besides costume jewelry and a wig? Then I realized I might buy a mutual fund. So here's a question. I know I'll get done dusting the peaches around 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Can I still buy a mutual fund that day, or do I have to wait? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment.
I've talked about this stat before, but this is scary. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, 48% of all Americans don't own any stock. And I realize it can be daunting when it's time to start something new, but here's a great thing. Getting invested is more to do with taking baby steps than leaping headfirst into Wall Street. Here's Brian Barnes, founder of M1 Finance, on just how easy it is to be invested. So you just either log on to the website or use the mobile application. We're native on Android and iOS, and it takes about three minutes, and your first $1,000 that you deposit is managed for free. I'd love to say the free $1,000 is a special deal I made for you, but uh, Brian and M1 Finance are that good to everybody. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, or you can customize it, as mom says, to your heart's content. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance for more. That's stackingbenjamins.com. M, the number one, finance.com for more. So just fire up their mobile app, M1 Finance, be invested. Hey everyone, it's Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug here. You know, there's an unlimited number of items I could buy with 50 bucks if I had it, Joe. Toothpaste, windshield washer fluid, a down payment on a monster truck. The possibilities are endless. But here's today's trivia. If I decided to invest that 50 bucks in a mutual fund at 3.30 in the afternoon, could I still buy it that day or would I have to wait until tomorrow? Here's your answer. Mutual funds trade once a day. So whether you're buying or selling, nothing happens except at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That means in this case, if I want to buy the mutual fund company, we'll take my money right away, but they won't invest it until 4 p.m. What if the market drops early in the day I tried to sell ahead of time? Bad news. I can only sell at 4 p.m. So I'm in for the duration of the day. How's that for some mutual fund edumacation, huh? And you thought old Uncle Doug didn't know anything. Which reminds me, I got to take the cat to PetSmart to get an IQ test. So I better hand the show back over to these two dorks. See ya! Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most. What are the two things you value most, OG? Right now, I'm going to say uh, Pacifico <laughs> and another one of those things. And um, gosh, on the agenda for tonight's dinner is uh, it's going to sound uh, pretty awesome. You're going to wish you were at my house. Steak, lobster, and au gratin potatoes. Are you kidding so, me? So I'm going to lump all those things together. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Wow. OG's, OG lives it up on Mondays. I'm doing street tacos. Well, shoot, that's probably just as good, actually. I'm going the, but I'm going the opposite direction. I love street tacos, man. A little onions on there, some cilantro. Oh, mm, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. But Are you corn or flour, man? It should be a corn. Okay, yeah. It should be your family and your time, though. I don't know if you knew that. Well, I have uh, my. I have to feed my family. Does that count? Yes, and you okay. want, and and you want to spend time with them. And it's certainly going to take time to do it. And you certainly don't want to spend that time buying life insurance. No. And that's why they've created a high-quality, affordable-term life insurance policy backed by industry giant Mass Mutual that you can purchase entirely online. 
Other publications say you can't do it. Guess what? You can do it. Haven Life does it. Cool that Haven Life, by the way, profiled in Fast Company magazine just about a month ago, talking about exactly this, about how they're innovating in the in life insurance that needs so much innovation. Great to see our sponsor in Fast Company. That was pretty awesome. Qualified healthy applicants can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to learn more about life insurance the modern way. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And this show is a financial circus, the greatest money show on earth. And to celebrate that, Haven Life and Stacky Benjamins, we're sending a t-shirt to today's person. Today, we're throwing the Haven Life line out to Jason. Hello, Jason. Hey, Joan OG. This is Jason from Spokane, Washington. I had a question for you about something that seems too good to be true, and I've Heard you and your guests warn against those types of things, so I wanted to get your opinion. My wife and I, and now our teenage son, all have Roth IRAs through a well-known online brokerage firm. Uh, they have a feature of automatic investing where money is withdrawn from our credit union accounts every payday, automatically transferred, and then we purchase shares in uh, mutual fund index funds automatically every month. There's no load, no fee, no transaction costs, no commission. Uh, I can't see where this brokerage company is making money off of this. So, again, it doesn't seem to be costing me anything other than the management fee for the uh, index funds themselves. Is this too good to be true? And uh, how does this company, the brokerage firm, make money? Thanks. Thanks, Jason. We actually, oh, gee, I looked this one up uh, because... Because he 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 had me. I thought I thought initially I'm like, oh, is it a company, aka Charles Schwab? Just to put it out there, I thought that was where he was going. Charles Schwab, are there their own funds? Because they're their own funds, right? If mm-hmm. if I go shopping at Charles Schwab and Charles Schwab is marketing Charles Schwab funds or Fidelity marketing Fidelity funds, they will make those very front and center for people because, hey, it's the home cooking and we're going to you know make all the management fee and we don't have to give extra money to any of the distributors, people that market the stuff. Turns out that wasn't the case. However, there are companies out there that just, they still share a little piece of what the management fee is. Yeah. So brokerage companies make money all sorts of different ways, but the easiest ones are the overt fees, right? When you pay commission or you uh, get an asset-based fee or something like that. Some of the ones that you don't see are are kind of hidden, what we call uh, revenue sharing or shelf space fees. So, for example, there might be a company on the platform that says, uh, we want to be more prominently displayed. And to do that, we are willing to write you a check for that. So, for example, a brokerage company, let's, let's just use Fidelity, for example. Fidelity may say, we're not going to charge transaction costs on iShare funds because BlackRock cut us a check for $20 million to put them on our transaction free list. And why would BlackRock do that? Well, because BlackRock, who runs iShares, wants you to buy iShares because then they make the management fees when you put it in there. So it's kind of all kind of runs downhill. So revenue sharing is one, shelf space fees, kind of the same thing. The other thing that they make money on is by lending your money. So when you have money invested and they count on your assets being there, then they have the ability to lend those shares to other companies that want to short those positions. And so let's say that you think you're a regular long-term dollar cost averaging investor and you're buying the S&P 500 index fund. And then there's out there a speculator who says, 
I don't think the S&P 500 index fund is going to go up anymore. I think it's going to go down. I want to short it. That means that you're betting that the stock price is going to fall. Well, they have to do that with real, real shares. So somebody has to provide those shares and companies like Fidelity and Schwab and whatever have this huge moat of investments that they can basically lend out unbeknownst to you. I mean, it doesn't affect your position at all, but on paper, they need to have somebody that's holding the opposite side of that. And uh, when they do that, they charge an interest rate called margin. So they charge an interest rate on top of it and they make money that way. In fact, I would venture to say, just like airlines make more money from selling credit card points to credit card companies and actually flying planes these days, I bet that there's a pretty healthy balance between revenue sharing and short sales and and uh, margin lending, no different than it is on the uh, the, the tr- more traditional ways. I know there's a fair number of people out there, very smart people here listening to the show, OG, and they say this thing about shorting, the market's been going up for a long, long time, right? I should totally do that. Yes. <laughs> the answer is- Everyone should all at the same time. The answer is please don't. Please, please, please don't. When you short shares, you have unlimited risk because the market can keep going up and up and up and up. And it is possible to lose more money than you. You can lose all of the money. But if you do what's called go long, where you actually own shares of the company. I mean, first of all, imagine all 500 companies in the S&P 500 going under on the same day. Not going to happen. And if it did, all you need anyway is Len Penzo's bunker, right? That's well, and to be fair, point counterpoint here, to be fair, the market does go down from time to time, right? It doesn't seem like it, you it know, does, has but, recently. But just but, don't think that, just don't think that because we're talking about shorting shares at a time when the market's gone up for as long as it has now, that it's a great idea for you to get into that business. That's a well, the high risk. Thing, no, no, it's super, super, super risky. The biggest thing that people you're shorting for it, that I've observed is really short-term transactions, right? Like it's a short-term week-to-week, day-to-day bet. But please, folks, like Joe said, don't do this. This is speculating and you will lose everything. But anyway, so to answer uh, Jason's question, that's how they make money. All sorts of different ways. So shorting doesn't mean going to the bar and trying to pick up short people? At first, I thought you said going to the barn. Going to the barn. Because that's, like, that's, where where you, that's <laughs> what you guys do in Texarkana. I mean, that's kind of a normal thing. That's hey, where, hey, man, what are, you do, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know, dude. I'll probably, probably head to the barn, try to pick up some chicks. Do some shorting. <laughs> Going to do some shorting. <laughs> I think we can make a meme out of this, couldn't we? <laughs> it is so bad. Uh, Joe thinks shorten is when you go to the barn in Texarkana. That's <laughs> it's so creepy. We got to get uh, get away from that. Let's go back to your letters. How about that? That's gonna be gonna be better. And by the way, thanks for the question, Jason. If you've got a question for the Haven Lifeline, send those to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, or just head to stackybenjamins.com. And Jason, we are sending you out a shirt on behalf of Stacky Benjamins and uh, Haven Life of the greatest money show on earth. It's our circus t-shirt and you can find that shirt and buy one for yourself or one of the other designs at stackybenjamins.com forward slash shirts. I'm going to be laughing about that to the rest of the show. Uh, Let's get back to your letters. Second half of this uh, show, Jeff asks this. He says in a recent episode, you mentioned that much of the math in the fire movement is done incorrectly. 
I have read many financial independence blogs and have drank the Kool-Aid to a point where I may miss things that should be obvious. Can you please discuss some of the major pitfalls you see in the general fire movement, specifically including the math? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I, I knew that would rattle a few uh, cages, huh? Yeah, and let's let's talk about this because uh, fire. And I actually have one that's math, and a second one that's not math. But the big one that's math, OG, is inflation. Over and over again, people don't realize that because you can live on X amount of money today, because your portfolio generates that income, that a piece of your portfolio has to be reserved to be the engine to support you 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. That's that's the recurring math that I see done wrong over and over and over. Specific. Sometimes I see taxes done wrong. All right. Yeah. But but uh, but usually it's inflation. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that too much optimism factored into that's my second one. Oh, this is your so so I kind of feel like this is this is kind of a math thing, right? So this is a little bit generational, and this is just an observation of you know back in my day we had to use abacuses to do financial plans. <laughs> but seriously, when I started in this business, and when you did, Joe, kind of around the same time, you started a little bit before me because <coughs> you're. <laughs> But but we both started kind of at the end of a huge bull market, right? Late 90s. And no one could do any wrong. And it was just go, 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 go. I remember distinctly clients retiring in 99 and in 2000 super early, earlier than they quote unquote normally would, right? Like early 50s, late 40s, because they had never experienced in their entire life anything other than a roaring stock market, except for a few blips, right? Little recession, 91, long-term capital management, 97. But otherwise, oh, their entire working career was the market going up. Nothing can go wrong. This isn't the optimism I was thinking about. Okay. No, no. So yeah. this is the optimism that I'm thinking about. So the people who are hell-bent on this retire early thing right now, which I think is, by the way, is fantastic. It's cool. Are, can I put a pin at age 32? Is that, a, is that a, can I pin that number? I don't know. I don't have any proof that that's the median age, but I'm just going to say 32 is the number, right? If they're 32 now, when was the last recession? It ended in 2009, right? That was eight years ago. What were they doing eight years ago? Just finishing college, right? Now the work environment sucked. I get all that. And they finally got jobs and whatever, but their entire working career up to this point has been nothing but virtually gangbusters, U.S., large cap stocks going through the roof. So people are under diversified, meaning they only own S&P 500 stuff. I got Vanguard S&P. I got Vanguard total market, blah, blah, blah. It's all U.S. stuff because U.S. stuff's rocks for the last eight years. And no one's experienced, or at least when they did experience that they didn't have any real money, nobody experienced the stock market going down 52%. In the span of like nine months, boom, just like that. And God forbid that we run into that twice, like we did in the 2000s, right? Where it like happened from 2000, 2003, and then happened again, 2008, 2009. And I think that from an optimistic standpoint, when people are building their analysis, 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 it's definitely not that. I think it's analysorum. That's what I'm going to go with. I think they're using long-term numbers, which is great, but I suspect that they're using, you know... Using long-term numbers and trying to live off the result. Yeah. You know, which is 
which I think is really dangerous. So yeah. that's, oh, my, that's the math slash optimism view yeah, for me. Yeah, and I was going to deviate from the math because there is one other thing that I think is optimistic, which is that you're going to want to live in a Right now, I think it's really cool. And don't take us the wrong way. It's a fine goal. It's not my goal, but it's a fine goal to want to live in a trailer in the woods. And that's fine. I'm just not sure that at 35, you're going to, at 35, you feel great about that. I don't think at 60, you're going to feel the same way. Um, yeah, well, you don't know. That's the thing. I think that's optimistic. I just think it's optimistic that if you do this very, 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 very minimalist lifestyle and I love it and there's no wiggle room, right? Yeah. Like that's the point. This is the thing that really concerns me. You get to the spot where you're 45 and you go, I've saved a million bucks. I can live on 40 grand a year. I'm happy doing it. Right. And that's fine. 40 grand is good lifestyle. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's not. You just can never change that lifestyle. But what happened? You know, could, could you wait seven more years? Like we talk about the doubling. Could you go from a million to 3 million over that 10 year period from 45 to 55 and the whole Everything changes, right? You have tons of flexibility. You still live on 40 grand, but now you have tons of flexibility. You can impact the lives of all sorts of other people. And maybe that's not your thing, but I like spending a lot of time on irrevocable decisions. That's <laughs> right. Right. And this is it. You know, and, and I think people, again, optimism, you go, oh, well, I'll just take a couple of years off. I'll go back to work. Maybe, unless you want to go back to work January 1st, 2009. Well, and, and you look at, you know, the studies that always show the people in the workforce are the ones people want. And the first question people ask is, so, uh, you haven't been working in three years. Oh no. I've been doing for the last seven years. Oh, nothing. Yeah. No, I took, uh, it off my dwindling retirement account. I I took some time off. How come? Um, well, you know, I, I, I retired early and, and, uh, which sounds good, but all the employers thinking is, I don't think that's what really happened. I think this, yeah, yeah. They think slacker or something like that. I just, or, yeah. or, or, or this person is unhirable. They can't find a job. Nobody else wants it's to hire so them. It's so hard yeah, who knows? to talk about this without sounding like you're resentful, right? Yes. Like, I, like, I want people to have success in this. You know what I mean? If you can retire at 35 years old and be happy for the next 65 years of your life, yes. I am so happy with that, yes. right? But I want you really to think hard about it because... You have to recognize, I think, that it's a concept that is very sexy, and it, and, and it sounds sexy for a good reason. I mean, how many people, you've seen all those people that hate their jobs, right? I mean, oh my, if, if I can find a way to get out of this thing that I'm doing that I can't stand doing. And, yeah, and, and go do only do the stuff that I really like to do. Check that box. Check that freaking box right now, man. Yeah. Well, and how many times did you have, just kind of wrap it up here. I know we were kind of just all over the place here. But how many times did you meet with a client who retired at 65 and at 70 was bored out of their freaking minds. My dad retired way younger than that. And here's what happened to him. All of his friends were still working. So he had nobody to hang out with during the day. So guess what he did? He hung out with dudes that were 10 years older than him. You know what happened within a year? He got 10 years older. My dad had so many aches and pains all the time. He was getting oh, yeah. sick all the time. And yep. and it's funny because it was all, we almost had to have an intervention. saying the quality that, of your life is the top five people you hang out with. Dad, you're hanging out with these guys who are older than you, and they've got these aches and pains, and you're you're having the same ones. Phantom yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, my dad. Well, but, but you know, right it's true. Stuff. You you got to have, that's how I work so hard with retirement planning. Like, what are you going to do? And people are like, oh, I'm just going to go play golf. It's like, right. But then what do you do at noon? Right, right. And you can't play golf every day. Have you ever, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can't like physically, that's <laughs> even the pros can't do that. So, 
Think it, long and hard about it, basically, is all we're saying, I think. Man, we we, we did well, that. Well, that and a whole bunch of other things we, is basically what we said. We did, we did, I was going to say, yeah, we did, we did that one up. This will be the last question today. This one comes to us from our new friend, Meech. Meech says, hi, guys, got a lot of questions, but I've whittled down at least one into a less than 7,000 word essay. So here it is. Oh boy, okay. My employer-sponsored 401k is going to offer actual index funds as investment choices starting this month. Yay! My current balance is about 165,000 in large cap blend, 78%. Diversified bonds, 12%, sorry OG. Developed international, 5%, and big cap value, 5%. My question is, when the index fund options arrive, should I rebalance my entire existing portfolio or just allocate all future contributions to the index fund or something else? I'm a frugal lady at 38, but my salary is 65500 and probably not going to ever be much more than that. So 165000 is a nice little seed. Thanks in advance. I love the show, and I promise I've never learned a thing. Meech in Pennsylvania. I love that. Thanks, Meech. Great, great question from Meech. Yeah, just some casual observations here. I think you're way under-diversified by having too much money in uh, uh, U.S. large cap. Probably want to have a little bit more on the international front and a little bit more on the small cap front. I don't have a problem with 12% fixed income, tolerable diversifier, but I would make sure that it's a shorter-term uh, bond than 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 longer term. You can look at the duration of the bond fund. That's the number that you're looking for when you do your research. Probably want that number to be shorter than seven, lower than seven. Look for what's but, called short term or intermediate term bonds. Yes, yeah, we're not. We're, we don't want to be no long term bonds or anything like that. But otherwise, you know, if you're going from a higher cost plan to a lower cost plan, generically speaking, why would you want to have the high cost stuff? Anymore? Map it out, map it over right now. I mean, just go, I've, even if you want to keep the same allocation, you just say, well, I'm going to take my high cost 78% of my portfolio and put it in a low cost 78% of my portfolio and just do, 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 Ta-da. Get it, get up the whole way down. Save a bunch of fees. There you go. That's a no brainer. Great stuff. Thanks for the question, Meech. And if you've got a question for the show, Send those to us, Joe at stackybenjamins.com, or the better way, head to stackybenjamins.com and right at the top it says questions for the show. You'll see the Haven Lifeline there. So you can be a part of the greatest money show on earth. Or or you can send us a letter uh, to the mailbag and Doug will bring down the mail every Monday and Wednesday. Thanks to everybody who sent us a letter today. That's so exciting. That gets us not quite caught up. So we're going to do this again in a couple of weeks. Obviously, we'll answer a letter every Monday and Wednesday show as well. So keep those letters coming. But we're, we're not falling behind like we did before. Oh, gee, we're, uh, we're, we're staying fairly, fairly close to the ball this time. Uh, thanks to everybody also who left us a review on this here podcast. You know, when you leave a review, that shows people what they're getting into. And obviously, I don't th- people need to know what the heck they're getting into. I don't think people expect the greatest money show on earth. I don't think they expect the circus. But it's a surprise. <laughs> and uh, we underpromise and way over deliver, if yeah. I do say so. <laughs> uh, this one's going on mom's fridge. Janice on the go gives us five stars and says, favorite financial minds in the gutter. <laughs> Uh-oh. What better way to spice up financial and life discussions than with double entendres? I listen to Joe G and Doug on my long commute by car, and not only do I find myself frequently laughing out loud, but the commute just flies by. I love the mix of perspectives from guests that range in age and expertise and show how Joe has dialed it in, dude, in the financial and f- financial tech community. Don't feel left out, OG. You're the man when it comes to the stocks and cash mix for the long haul investing. Love this show, exclamation point, exclamation point. Love that. Thank you. Mom definitely is putting that one on the fence. That, one, that one's going to get a gold star. 
That's that's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the review. If you'd like to review the show, that helps people know what they're getting into, and we appreciate it very much. Lastly, if you are looking for good financial planning help in your corner, a financial advisor in your corner, guess what? OG's taking clients. And what that means is that to get on his schedule and find out what it takes to get him in your corner, it's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash the letter O and the letter G. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's going to do it for today. Coming up on Wednesday, we've got a fantastic show. This new eight weeks we're in that started last week, OG, just getting better and better. Because on Wednesday, Courtney McDermott, she has a huge best-selling book, Change Starts Within You. And this thing is is amazing. It's a little book. Like uh, Austin Kleon, Steal Like an oh, Artist yeah, book. Oh, yeah, cool. Yep. It's, it's one of these little books. Great read. Powerful, powerful book. Everybody's talking about it. We've got her here coming to the basement nice. on Wednesday. And uh, I got to tell you, the guest we have lined up for the next two months, amazing. Courtney McDermott coming down to the Kicking basement. Kicking it off. All right, cool. Yeah, so everybody go stack some Benjamins. See you back here Wednesday. All right, Joe, I'm going to let you get back to the pickles. And hey, oh, gee. Careful with those peaches. You know, OG's got very calloused hands for a financial planner. It's very unusual. Anyway, first, what did we learn today? Side hustles? You can make good money at them, but unless you're working a lot and definitely more than a side hustle, focus on your main job first. That'll probably earn you more money. Second, Alexa and your financial plan? Probably not yet. Although you may want to ask your financial advisor how you can automate your finances better. By making decisions automatic, you can find yourself with a pile of money building up on its own. But the big lesson? Apparently, PetSmart doesn't offer IQ tests. Huh, what are they called PetSmart for unless they're in the pet education business? Unless maybe you got to be smart enough to know how to ask for the IQ test. Maybe this is all a game to find out how smart you really are. Maybe it's not just PetSmart, but also a big fat game of People smart. Cooper the cat, we're headed back to the cat treat aisle because pet smart, you've just met pet smarter. Special thanks to you for writing to us. You know how we love mail here in the basement. I personally love mail and I also love being female. Wait, no, I read that wrong. I love female. Yeah, that's it. I love female. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. So bring it all, folks. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
nothing I like better on my weekend than uh, drinking a few beers. Yeah, you know, who doesn't like to have a brewski from time to time? What's funny is my beer fridge got so full of beers that were the leftovers from parties that we'd had that people brought over that I was never going to drink. That, uh-huh. And I've tried to give these beers away. I ju- I've just tried. So and why I, don't you drink them? Well, because it's just not stuff that I drink. I don't like the, not to get too nerdy about this. I don't really like the stouts. I don't like the heavier stuff. You know, even, yeah. you know, and, I, and I've got friends that love Guinness in December, yeah. maybe once or twice. Yeah, not my thing. A Guinness, I can't do that stuff. So anyway, I just, I just completely, because I realized my beer fridge is full of just crap beer. Stuff just, you're not going to drink. Just, so. just full of junk and we threw it all out. So Yeah. So we had something similar happen, only we didn't throw it out. So we had, um, we travel a lot during the summer. You know, we live way down here where it's hot and we travel way up there where it's not as hot. You know, the kids like being up there, my wife and I kind of fly back and forth. So while we were talking about being away from our home for a little while, we had an opportunity to have a young man stay at our house. Right. And, uh, you had had that, I think you went on vacation or something and somebody stayed at your house and, you know, a friend of a friend or something like that just needed a place. And it was kind of the same thing, right? Needed a place to stay for the month that we were going to be kind of gone from the home anyway. So he came over before we left, kind of gave him a tour of the house, gave him a key, garage door opener, that sort of thing, walked him through. Here's how you set the AC. Here's how, you know, whatever. And then I casually mention, by the way, there's some beer in the fridge, you know, help yourself. And there's some in this other fridge and, you know, help yourself and ha ha ha. The real expensive stuff is up high. Limit yourself to that. You know, don't, don't, you know. Limit the number of those that you have. Stay the f*** out of my log of <laughs> is what I was saying without saying it. Yes. Right. I came home in the middle of the trip for a long weekend. I had to do something. I just kind of casually do a quick tour of my house and there's like, an empty jug of whiskey on the floor, like in front of the TV, there's like seven beer cans in the, in the TV, <laughs> like on the, by the couch, just like, it's like a frat house, but he's the only one there. I didn't say anything about it. Cause I figured it was kind of a surprise that I came back. I did it intentionally anyway, but I wasn't going to bust his chops about having it be messy. Right. Could have caught him just the wrong day, wrong time. Yeah. He's a college, you know, just, just out of college type of kid, you know, yeah. whatever. You know, I left again and came back and, uh, dude, I had probably four cases of beer in the fridge, kind of the same thing as you, like a mix and match, right? Where you go, Oh, I'm going to pick up a six pack of goose Island and now I'm going to have a 12 pack Oberon or whatever. Right. And you drink some of it. And sometimes you feel like Dos Equis and sometimes you feel like a Miller light and whatever. Right. Gone. My wife had like a whole bunch of, um, or a handful of the uh, kind of pre-made margaritas. Yeah. You know, they're little, little glass bottles gone. My brother and his girlfriend, now wife, brought over like uh, root beer beer, right? Like the the flavored root beer beer, you know, alcoholic root beer. Yes. Gone. Gone. I had like a six pack of beer in the fridge downstairs. Gone. The normal fridge, gone. All of it. Gone. All of it. Like Like freaking the Grinch stole Christmas gone. Apparently. He didn't touch the wine, which my wife would have found him and assassinated him if he would have. But near as I could tell, he didn't. Yeah, but still, how weird is it to think that's okay? My brother came over while we were gone because he had to take care of something after this guy left. And he said, oh, yeah, but he left you a growler, like sitting on the countertop. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, hey, dude, he drank out of all your beer. I said, ah, whatever. You know, he's a college kid to be expected. But and he goes, but he left your growler sitting on top of it. I'm like, oh, cool. The growler was empty. The growler. <laughs> so basically just didn't throw out his trash. So then I go to the uh, liquor cabinet. So he drank all yours and yes. he went and got a growler and he brought yeah, it gone too. and he brought it back and he drank that too. Yes. Kid's an alcoholic. I would think so. Yeah, he was there for a month, which nothing to do, I suppose, other than just sit and watch TV and drink beer, apparently. And I get that you're a college kid, right? But do you, I mean, you don't want to replace four cases of beer, maybe. It's above your b- beer budget for the month. But do you, you put something back in there, like a six-pack, a little, little note? Thanks for the stay. I got, you know. I would feel comfortable. You know, I had that house in northern Michigan when, we, when I was up by Traverse City. Right? And uh, the people said, and I didn't see this, I didn't see this at first. And I had, I had different people come visit me. My sister one day just has this Budweiser. I'm like, where'd you get that? She goes, oh, it's in the fridge over there. And I'm like, you know, those aren't mine. I, I just, just, those are, those are not mine. And I'm, and by the way, and then there's, they have Keurig stuff. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have one or two of these little Keurig coffee things. I'm just going to try to take one or two off the top. Right. Just, it's horrible. It's stealing. But by the same, well, t- kind of though. I mean, if you're staying at somebody's house, though, right? I mean, you have yeah. a cup of coffee or yeah. beer or whatever. But then, as I'm cleaning the house, it says, "Feel free to have anything in the house. Just replace it with like stuff." So I went yeah. down to the I went down to the down to the grocery store and I bought a six pack of beer. And so I left him with more beers than have been been sure normal behavior, right? Yep. So you know the stuff on the top shelf of the of the cabinet there. I've had one half inch glass of scotch out of each bottle of scotch in my liquor cabinet. Of, one of the good stuff. One, one, one little, I'm holding up two fingers as close as I'm putting them together. Cause I don't, I don't particularly need a whole lot of that. Yeah. Right. And when, how often do you drink scotch? Like Christmas Eve. That's when I drink. Yeah. I was going to say one never. glass on Christmas Eve with a cigar by the fire. Merry Christmas to me. Think about all the cool shit that's happened for the year. You know, whatever. Right. Whole neck of the bottles are gone. Are you going to call, like, are you going to call him out on it? You know, I thought about it back and forth, right? There was a whole bunch of other like little things. Didn't make the bed. Didn't vacuum. Maybe just give know? him a life lesson. Just say, Hey man, this is water under the bridge. You and I are fine, but here's what you don't do when you're a house guest just for the future. Just so you know, I, I kind of thought about it. I kind of thought about saying like, I wouldn't have killed you to run the, Run the washing machine, wash the sheets. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like this the is towels that you use, whatever. This is just house guest etiquette, right? Yeah. Like as an example, we'll stay somewhere at at you know I'll go to my sister's house when I'm getting ready to leave. I full well know she's probably going to take the sheets off, wash everything, right? Yes. I I still make the bed. Well, see, that's the thing, right? So if he he should have called me and said, "Hey, I'm getting ready to get out of here. Uh, where do you keep the sheets? I'd like to put a new set on. And I would have said, oh, don't worry about it. Just throw them in the laundry room. We'll take care of it when we get home. Done. Yeah. Or I would say, oh, they're in the laundry, you know, the hallway closet. That's what, you know, I don't know. All right. Between this. I might, I might let it go. Between this. But, uh, so, Luke, if you're listening, I'm not mad, brother. But, uh, but uh, yeah, we ought to, you ought to just step up your house guest game a little bit. Yeah. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have 
served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.